The reading for today comes from Matthew 5, 3 through 12, and 14 through 16. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm the lead pastor here at Zao. And if you've been here before, you may know that it's a little unusual for me to be rocking the official clerical collar during service. I save this outfit for times when that pastoral authority is critically important. Usually that means in the streets. I've been spending a lot of time in the streets this week, as many of you have as well. And I know that those who aren't able to be in the streets for any number of really important reasons have been bearing witness online with your family and friends and in any way that you can. It is an important and powerful and difficult moment in our lives. In the city of Milwaukee, in Kenosha, in the state of Wisconsin, in the world. And today, we wanted to do service a little differently, to take a pause on our normal routines, which were very embedded in that work to begin with, but to just spend a moment today talking about what's been going on. A lot has happened since we gathered last week in the name of Jesus as the Zhao community. If you have been with us before, welcome back. If you are new, if you have found your way to our space this week, welcome. We thank God for you, and we hope that we can pour out love on you the way that God is pouring out love on us through all the people doing the incredible work of the good news in the streets these days, whether or not they claim the name Jesus. But this week is defined first and foremost by tragedy, and not just tragedy, concentrated evil, and not just concentrated evil, evil at the hands of our government. State-sanctioned violence against black bodies, black men, women, and children has been defining for our culture, for our nation, for centuries. 
And it is coming to a head in the streets these days, not because it is new, not because anything has changed, but because we now have the power to record it, because we have the attention on it, because finally those who have been crying out for generations and generations are being heard. In that way, it is a kind of beautiful, beautiful apocalypse. Apocalypsis, the Greek word, actually means uncovering. We think of apocalypse as the end of things, and hopefully it is. It is the end of some things, the end of the way things are. The apocalypse is the end of everything as we know it, and it comes from an uncovering, an unveiling, a truth-telling that cannot be avoided. There are some powerful truths being told right now. And we must listen. And once we hear or receive that truth, we must shout it out with all of our might until the apocalypse comes, the unveiling, until the new creation is built. And God doesn't build that creation out of God's own self. God builds it through God's people. We are called into this moment of truth-telling to tell truth, to bring down walls of injustice, to bring down those structures and empires of evil, and in its place, build, co-create with God a new kind of kingdom, an anti-empire, where all are free. And love is the driving force between all people. Out of this moment, this uncovering, there is uprising. And no, this did not begin this week, or even this summer, or even this decade. This is generations of the faithful crying out for justice, having a prophetic imagination and vision for the way things ought to be, for the way things will be in the kingdom of God, in the coming days where love reigns. But this uprising, as complicated as it is, and it is complicated, hear me on that, but the heart of this uprising is liberation, is justice, is gospel and good news. And the uprising is centralizing right now in Kenosha, in the little community of Kenosha, my backyard. Our hearts are with Kenosha. It is difficult to be at the center of the uprising. It is painful to have one's own home and space at the center of the uprising. And yet we are called. We are called to be present to that uncovering, to that truth-telling, to this new moment, to the end of things as the way they were. And so, Zhao as a community has been deeply involved since before this week, before Kenosha, for years, more specifically, for the last three months, our church, which is not functioning uh, to hold our gatherings anymore due to COVID safety precautions, our church has been transformed into a supply drop and distribution center, a place to gather those things needed, those most essential items, the vast majority water, Gatorade, salty snacks, and first aid supplies. These gifts have been pouring in not only from the Zhao community, but from the Milwaukee community, from the Wisconsin communities, from across state lines. People are pouring in saying, we support this moment of truth-telling. We support the prophets who speak truth in the streets. We want them to be fed. We want them to be hydrated. We want them to be cared for when they 
come in harm's way. And so we will bring what we have. We will pour into this space as this building and these people pour out into the streets. That is what we have been doing for months now. A bunch of people found out about it this week. <laughs> they found out because as the center of this uprising has moved to Kenosha, the powers and forces, the principalities of this world have converged on this town. The feds are here. The feds who snatch people up off the street. They've done some snatching recently. On Wednesday afternoon, some activists from Kenosha came up to the church requesting supplies. This is what we do. This is what we've been doing day in, day out through the last several months. And so we were happy. We were so happy that they had rented a U-Haul. Great, we can get stuff right down to the front. We loaded up 80 cases of water, dozens of cases of Gatorade. We unloaded uh, salty snacks into their U-Haul, a couple boxes of first aid supplies, and about a half a dozen fire extinguishers. We sent them off with our blessing, one of so many vehicles that day. We didn't think much of it except to be grateful that they were willing to bring so much to the people at the front. A few hours later, we started to receive images of what had happened to that U-Haul. Law enforcement looked like maybe local Kenosha police in cooperation with federal agents, had rammed into the vehicle, had hit it with their vehicles. Once stopped, they opened up the U-Haul, saw all of the water, Gatorade and Doritos, and decided it was a threat. They confiscated all of those, drove the U-Haul away, and arrested the driver and passenger. We thought people should know about that. We thought that that was unconscionable, that humanitarian aid going to the front lines of any sort of conflict should be celebrated, that people should not come into harm's way for speaking truth to power, but because they do, that they should at least have access to basic medical care, to water in these 90-some degree days, to salt and electrolytes as they are out there for hours. And so we shared we put out some posts on social media, and the community thought that that should be shared too. People were deeply upset by what law enforcement had done, that a church isn't allowed to bring basic water and band-aids and fire extinguishers to the front of the conflict without police harassment, intimidation, confiscation, and arrest. The news thought that was noteworthy, too. And so yesterday, on Friday, a news broadcast went out telling our local communities what had happened. And at that point, the threats started pouring in. Our email, our Facebook, all of our social media flooded with hate mail. Our phones started ringing off the hook with people telling us, that we were going to burn. I tell you this because it is important to know what you're getting into if you sign up to follow Jesus. 
I am telling you this on a day that we are talking about discipleship. I'm telling you about this in our series formation because this is where our mission as a church has brought us. This is where my formation as a Christian has brought me. It has brought me to the front lines. It has brought me away from the front lines and into these church spaces to collect supplies. But it has also brought me into contact with those pressure points of the world that say, no. We don't want this change. We don't want this truth-telling. We don't want this uncovering. And we are going to throw a temper tantrum, and we are going to threaten you, and we are going to shout you down and tell you that you're not really Christian. They've come after us also as they have discovered that we are queer-affirming, that we love trans folk, that we are pro-immigrant and refugee. They're learning a lot about us these days, the trolls. This actually is part of discipleship. And I know that there are a lot of white evangelical Christians in the world who are crying persecution at all moments. And most of the time, the thing that we ought to do is let that go and walk away from it. But there is a reason that the scriptures encourage believers to expect persecution. Because following Jesus means coming into a constant conflict with Rome. Following Jesus, being a disciple, being a Christian, means being against the empire. And the empire doesn't like that very much. There's a reason that the church was underground for hundreds of years, and it wasn't until the empire co-opted Christianity, put their own label on it, and tried to neutralize it, that anything shifted in that regard. Before the empire tried to take it over and change its meaning, the empire hunted Christians because they knew followers of Jesus are not obedient citizens. They are not good members of the empire. They are those that are constantly working towards the liberation of all people at the cost of the empire. And so in Jesus' encouragement and teachings, as Jesus is instructing those who have gathered to say, how do we follow you? How do we get our way into this new way of being? Jesus knows what they will be up against, what we are up against, if we take up our cross and follow him. And so he offers a series of blessings. Blessed are you who mourn, Jesus says. He knows that mourning will be a part of discipleship, that mourning is a part of living fully alive and awake in this world, that the violence of empire causes such deep pain and loss that anyone following Jesus and looking at the world through Jesus' eyes begins with mourning. When Jesus approached Jerusalem before he went in, before the clash with empire, before the crucifixion and resurrection, he wept. We begin with weeping and lamentation. We begin saying, why, God? We begin crying out seven shots. We mourn that the world we live in is broken. We mourn the suffering we encounter simply by being. Jesus says, those who mourn will be comforted. He says, blessed are the meek. And 
Meekness in our context is a little hard to understand. Maybe Jesus is trying to give us encouragement. You feel meek. You feel like you don't have enough. But meekness is actually a really powerful word. In this context, meekness is used a lot of times to talk about oxen or horses that were trained, that were following orders. This biblical kind of meekness has been explained to me as power under perfect control. Blessed are the meek is those who say, I will not lash out from my mourning. I will not simply express my power or my rage unto the world. I will submit my power and rage to God, and I will allow God to take the reins. I will put my power in the streets. I will put my passion into this world, but not merely as this kind of expressive, um, reactive energy, but I will channel that I will give it to God and I will ask God where my power is needed, where my meek, obedient power can be directed for change. Jesus goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. I am hungry, y'all. But sometimes this is even literal. Those in the streets are hungering and thirsting. This is why we sent snacks and water. Blessed are those who hunger and and thirst for righteousness' sake. They will be filled. And that is an encouragement and a mandate. We must fill one another as we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Discipleship, following Jesus, means pouring ourselves into one another, sustaining one another for the fight. We need to be nourished. As we speak prophetically in the streets, we need to be kind to one another. We need to greet one another's hunger and thirst with provisions. How is a disciple like you called to fill those who hunger and thirst? Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says. I feel such affection in that blessing, that that blessing of hope, the pure in heart are those who believe, those who are looking for God, those who mourn and hope, those who say, this is awful, and yet the purity of my heart longs after God, I seek after God, and I trust that I will find God. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A disciple looks for God in this moment, looks for the inbreaking of the Spirit in this moment, and they will find God at work. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are children of God. Now, there are a lot of people who would use this verse against us. A lot of people who have a very different understanding of peace. Dr. King called that a false peace, a piece of glossing over, a piece of a piece of papering over the conflict of the world so it is more comfortable for those in power. That is not the peace that Jesus has ever preached about. Jesus preaches about a peace that comes with an unveiling, that comes with a toppling, that comes with ripping the veil in half. The peacemakers are those who work through the conflict, who come to the other side. But peacemakers in this context, the peacemakers must be loud. They must be bold. They must take risks. Peacemaking in this moment is not telling other folks to sit down and be quiet. 
Peacemaking is not telling us to collaborate with those forces who are violent and killing us in the streets. Peacemaking is not making this go away. Peacemaking is the diligent, painful, prolonged effort of moving through the conflict and evil of empire toward a kingdom where peace and love characterize our communities. We will never have peace while police are armed in our streets. Blessed are those who are making way for peace. Jesus ends his blessing saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we become citizens of the kingdom of God, we forego a lot of what we have here on earth. We put ourselves into conflict with those powers and principalities that would come after us. We put us, it puts us in conflict with those who want to remain committed to the status quo. Some of that is out of fear. There are powers and principalities who are benefiting greatly every moment. But in addition, there are a lot of people who just lack prophetic imagination, who cannot believe a world could be better, and so they want to have the least bad world they have imagined so far. They will conspire to stop this. They will conspire to recover all of the pain that's being exposed right now. But blessed are those who persist and who are persecuted for it. Blessed are those against whom people utter falsehoods, false evils, because of Jesus. There are some encouraging commenters and community members who keep reminding us that it is exactly when all of these trolls are coming out of the woodworks and telling us we're not real Christians and we're communists and a lot of other things that I won't say um, that are hurtful and painful and threatening, that when those things happen, that's when we know we're really following Jesus. Elsewhere, Jesus says, woe to you if I'll speak well of you. <laughs> being a disciple means taking a stance. Me being a disciple means that you cannot stand still on a moving train. Being a disciple means picking a side. And as much as the division in our communities is painful to us right now, and there is such a pull for unity, the faithful Christian disciples among us are pointing us back towards these gospel truths. Jesus was clear where he stood, and it wasn't in the middle of anything. In the Sermon on the Mount, where all these blessings come from, Jesus is really clear about drawing a line in the sand and picking a side. He talks about the wide road and the narrow road. The wide road is where everyone is comfortable, but the narrow road, that is the path of discipleship, and you have to pick. The prophets have gone before us, Jesus among them, to speak truth to power. And we know what happens when you do that perfectly, as Jesus did. But we also know that though the empire has powers of death, 
at their hands, that they have the tools of war, of execution at their hands. We have the power of resurrection. If God is with us, who can be against us, our scriptures proclaim. And nothing can separate us from the love of God, not death, nor life, not angels, nor demons. Nothing in this uprising, nothing in police brutality can separate us from the love of God who fuels us and sustains us, the God who gives us that vision of a better world and a better way. And once we have received that vision, once we have caught on to that good news, what are we called to do? Let your light shine. Jesus calls us to be light of the world. That once we have caught this new vision, that we are not supposed to keep it hidden, that we are not supposed to hide it under a bushel and wait for the day, that we are a city on a hill. We are to be looked at. We are to attract all this attention. And not everybody's going to like our city. But you know what? We are going to shine. Disciples are people who do the work of God. It's not about belief. It's not about theology. It's about being, embodying this call to a new way of life. It is ongoing. We will stumble and fall, but that is why we must do it together, because we catch one another. We lift one another up, and we shine all the brighter. How are you called to discipleship in this moment? How is God calling you into being, into formation, as an individual after God's own heart, as a member of this community or this church, as a member of the body of Christ who is striving always towards freedom, liberation, and love, no matter what the empire tries to threaten us with? How are you called? Last week, as we were talking about formation and community, we put out a radical community survey offering different ways to engage, different actions to take. We are going to revisit that survey this week. It'll be in comments. And I want you to prayerfully consider what you are called to do to take one step closer to that radical Jesus who loves you and who is inviting you into fullness of life in this moment. It can be frightening. A lot is frightening right now. And this is why our discipleship must be grounded in love and the love of God, because perfect love, that is the love of God, the love of Jesus, that unconditional gift poured out to you every moment, perfect love drives out fear. And so when you are feeling afraid, put your eyes to the heavens. Call out to the shepherd from whom your help comes. You are not alone. You are loved. You are called. Where are you called to go? Will you pray with me? God of miracles, we pray that you would pour your love out on all of us, your people, that you would take us to new places, that you would reveal in us new truths, that you would show us what true discipleship looks like, feels like, moves like in this world, in this moment. 
We praise you for the love you have for us and for all. And we pray that you would form us and reform us in your image, that we may be beacons of light and love in this world, in this moment, in your name. Amen.